0: 1862 on a summer's afternoon. I took the bus to Bamberys and, and she was heavy laden. The way we went to Langcullenwood Street, that on the road to bleeding. Oh!
1: Hello
2: and welcome to Talk of the Tune by CHN Radio, the best podcast ever by Coming Home Newcastle. Um, We have a special guest for you today. Elijah and I are pretty excited. Uh, As we get closer and closer to January, we are getting closer and closer closer in rumors. And if you didn't know by now, Newcastle is linked to everyone and we are interested in everyone. Um, Can't wait for the messy article to come out. Yeah. Um <laughs> so but this one in particular because it's actually finally getting traction. So we we wanted to get to the source of it. Uh somebody that could talk a little bit more expertise than we can. So today we have with us Roberto Rojas. You can find him at low limit football It's a podcast that he is on. Uh, it's pretty great stuff there. And then also give him a follow. It's at Roberto Rojas97 on Twitter. You're gonna get a lot of links there, and especially now, now's the best time to follow him because there's, there's links to, from Amaron, who, if you don't know by now, is a fantastic number 10 in, in MLS playing for Atlanta United Paraguayan International. He is awesome. So we would love for him to, to play for us. So, Roberto, welcome.
3: Thank you for having me. And yeah. This is quite an interesting topic because, you know, this is a player that has been rumored to various clubs around the world for the last year or so. Um, but who would have thought that out of all the clubs that would be interested in, it would be a side in the Northeastern team side. This is yeah. something that I'm really excited to talk about and then would love to figure out, you know, how did this
4: all work out? <laughs> yeah.
1: it, definitely a, a different climate shift from uh, Paraguay, Atlanta, and then Northeast England. Just <laughs> throw them right into the deep end um so i a lot of our fans a lot of english people probably in general probably not familiar with miguel emiron uh he's a guy that you know spent them pretty much all of his career in that the what are we in the western hemisphere i don't know (laughs) yeah northern northern hemisphere uh we're in some hemisphere that he spent all of his time there so uh uh, could you kind of give us like a quick synopsis of who he is like how how old he is like where he's played what he's done what he what position he plays how he plays the whole 9 yards the whole 9 yards
3: absolutely so miguel Morón is obviously the twenty four year old Paraguay International, as you previously mentioned in the uh the top of the pod. Uh you know, he first started as a youngster in his native country playing for Center Porteno. You know, that's where he started. He's played thirty nine games and scored sixteen goals. Then he moved to Lanus in two thousand fifteen, where you know many people were actually looking at this move as something uh expected and, and really because this was a player I think, if I can remember correctly, was already linked to big clubs in Europe because this was during the time when Paraguay, you know, did not qualify for the two thousand fourteen World Cup, you know, the level of of interest of Paraguayans wasn't exactly as high as it was in previous years. But what is customary for a lot of these Paraguayan players as it is for you know in comparison to other South Americans like in Brazil, Argentina or or even Colombia and Uruguay, you know, you look at Paraguay who, you know, perhaps aren't producing that much great talent. Of the likes of Amarone, um I, I think at the time, of course, you know they decided to go to La news, go to Argentina, coached by uh, Guillermo Barros Schelotto, the former Columbus Crew and current Boca Juniors manager. He obviously was man- he was obviously there for two seasons. And, you know, single-handedly, well, I want to say single-handedly, what helped the team win the first division in 2016 stayed there. And then at the end of the year, he was linked to other clubs. He was linked to clubs like Inter, um, even Newcastle at one point, as I can remember, but he was also linked to teams in all across the world, Mexico. And then he decides to go to Atlanta, which for me was obviously a bit skeptical because I thought that the talent that he possessed, you know, he's a player that could play as a winger, but he's more... Definitely in his style as a center attacking midfielder, you know, as a 10. Um, But when he came to Atlanta, obviously the influence of Tata Martino, you know, Tata Martino was the former coach of the Paraguay national team during the 2010 World Cup, obviously has a big influence on him. Uh, which allowed him to come to Atlanta. And many people were skeptical. I can even remember a time when a lot of Paraguayans were skeptical about, oh, a a player like me doesn't deserve to go to the United States because of the wasted talent that perhaps he would have gotten there. And that's going back to the stereotype of your Beckhams, Gerrards, uh, Slaton, Wayne Rooney, and and kind of players like that. So that was something that I was skeptical of, but I was – I was confident enough that he would succeed at Atlanta, and look at what he did. I mean, he's been absolutely tremendous. 62 games in MLS, 21 goals, 28 assists. I think besides Joseph Martinez being that important player on the team, he's really been one of the best players, if not the best player in MLS right now. Um, I wouldn't say that he's going to win the MVP this season, but he certainly has the capability that he's, that he's the heartbeat of this Atlanta team. You know, they're obviously still in the playoffs, but what he brings to the table is incredible quickness and speed in order to get away from your defenders. I think he's so technically good on the ball that, you know, when the team is playing with the ball and, and it's getting onto his feet, he can turn into one of those classy players you know, once he turns and he explodes, no one can stay with him. Um, I, I think his biggest asset is, is definitely his positional versatility. Uh, he, I think he's comfortable in either wing, but I think as a central player behind the lone striker, which was Joseph Martinez, the top goal scorer uh, for Atlanta and all of MLS so far, I think he brings kind of similar to a like of maybe a Di Maria or a, or an Eric Lamella at Spurs. He, he's that kind of player providing ball, has blistering speed, great dribbling skills. You know, I I think and I remember an interview that Mark Michael Parker said that just the way he accelerates like no one else that he's ever seen with the ball and the fact that he brings so much pressure to the opposition back line, it just relieves pressure for the team that allows them to to really succeed. So, yeah, I think he's been so far sensational. He's obviously the best player on this Paraguay national team who are looking to go back to the World Cup uh, for the first time in 12 years. And I think Almiron is – He's the player that a lot of people are, are really excited of watching here in MLS.
1: And I think a lot of people, especially those in
3: Newcastle, would love
1: to have on their team. Yeah, and and he is so great and so fun to watch. And and I would agree with you. I think that he's I, he's probably deserving of the MVP award. I mean, Yosef Martinez broke all kinds of records this season, but it's very evident when Almaroon went out for an injury for like a month and a half and – Joseph went on this goal scoring drought that it was very evident Alvaro was probably the most important player for this Atlanta United team especially as they head into the playoffs So he's been huge um so speaking of Atlanta United and the MLS um how exactly does that team use him and and that's just led to so much success I just how, how would you analyze how they use him
3: so what I said previously, I, I think he's obviously really better suited as a center attacking midfielder, you know, an archetypical number 10 who could play not just defensively, but also offensively as well. Uh, Tata Martino has stated that and playing him, you know, behind Joseph Martinez, for me, it, it just helps him become much more free and, you know, brings that depth to the team and and, you know, makes them more stronger. You obviously mentioned that, yeah, this team was definitely struggling when he was out with injury, that when he came back even in the first game against NYCFC, he immediately turned the, the tail of the team and then became much more forward. You know, you look at him providing that positional versatility, providing the great balls, has the good dribbling skills, rubbing past the defense uh, of NYCFC in, the, in both the legs, um, and, and, and of course, uh, that makes him very, very vulnerable to fouls and and rightly so, but for me, I, I think the way that he's playing—that he's good at finding spaces in between the lines. You know, he's recognizing the space, uh, the space of where he's at, and finding the ball, and even to score as well. Uh, whether that can be front of the back line or, or down in the gaps of the channels, I think he's able to find those spaces and, and, and combined well with Yosef. So I, I think that's exactly why he's been so successful. The fact of the matter is that he's playing in such a, a key role of this team that he's able to, you know, be multifunctional in, in every asset, be defensive, be offensive, uh, you know, score goals, provide everything that, you know, a, a classy number 10 and, and, and a midfield like him would,
2: um, would, pro- would provide. Yeah. And one of the, Look, I guess the the thought with MLS is still there's a stigma of it's just not a good league yet. And I, I don't necessarily agree with that. And, yeah, it's not a top-four league, but there's, there's definitely a stigma there. And one of the things, whenever a player comes over to Europe, it's can they make the jump? Are they going to be successful in a top-four league? So in a physical league like Premier League or just English football in general – and you have some pretty large center backs and you even look at Newcastle side with Jamal LaSalle's and Federico Fernando and Fabian Cher, all pretty large individuals. <laughs> how do you think Miguel's play would translate to the premier league? And do you think it, he would be successful?
3: Yes. Yes, I am. Because I'm, I'm really confident that, and you know, he, he, this is someone that, you know, has already been accustomed to the way of how aggressive, um, the way that he's been well, the way that he's been used to in, in his environment, you know, playing in the Paraguayan league. The Paraguayan league is a really aggressive league for those that don't watch it. You know, very physical. You got your strong midfielders, you have your strong defenders as well, um, but you also have those players. And you know, Amarone is not exactly the tallest player or the shortest player. I, think, I believe he's five nine, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I think that you know, whether maybe he's not the most flashiest type of player because. Of the stereotypes of how maybe he's too one-footed, or how players like you know him need to be especially good on the ball and lethal around the box, like a like of Mesut Ozil or Christian Eriksen or or those kind of players. You know, you look at Almirón, who's good on the ball, but I feel that that physicality is not there at the moment. He's obviously grown very, very tremendously and and much more mature um, since joining Atlanta last year. That I think he can absolutely improve. Um, himself going into the Premier League. And I think for himself, and I kind of compare it to a player like Lucas Torreira, who isn't the biggest type of player and is, obviously doesn't play in a similar position, but you could look at him and he's just a bulldog, just winning those balls, getting those tackles. I think with Almarone, who's obviously plays much more up front, um, that with his speed and obviously with a bit more strength to himself, that I think that he could really be a good asset to whatever team that he goes to. I'm really confident that, um, and, and like you said, that stigma of, of MLS... You know, not being the most physical or entertaining league, or really proving to yourself that um, that if you do well in this league, you could do well anywhere. Um, I think that's changed so far. And you look at the players like Amaron, who are becoming those kind of players of of not uh, you know, 23, 24 year olds coming in and 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 becoming uh, going into like a like a springboard type of league and, and really developing himself. And, and rightly so, it's, it's worked out well. He's becoming, he's, I think he's the best player on this Atlanta team. He's the heartbeat of this team, probably the best player in this entire league. That when you look at the age as well and what he provides to the table, that I think that him translating well into the Premier League or whatever league he goes to, obviously, in Europe, that I, I'm, I'm really confident that he'll find success uh, wherever he goes.
2: Okay, so there are... And, and correct me if I'm wrong here. So there's four clubs in the Premier League that he's rumored to go to. I have West Ham, Arsenal, Spurs, and Newcastle. Do you, do you have any others that you've heard?
3: Um, well, out of those teams that we've mentioned, if we're going to talk about Premier League, yes. Those are the four teams I've heard so far. Uh, I think um, Arsenal was the first one. I think Newcastle was also the next one. Then Spurs came out. And this is all reports coming from everywhere, you know, Paraguayan media. Uh, other sources and and that kind of stuff but out of the teams that are in the Premier League yes those are the four that are currently rumored to go
2: um, that is currently Amarone's next uh, destination so if up to you this is completely on you where would you like to see him play So, I mean, I'm not really –
3: I don't have a fan of – I'm not a team – I don't really have a team that I support in the Premier League. I think for myself, and I think a lot of Paraguayans would love to see him get playing time at any of those type of clubs. Um, You know, if you're going to look at the two teams that really stand out more, I I think West Ham and Newcastle are the teams that perhaps would help him in terms of playing time. You know, I think whatever Pellegrini or Rafa Benitez is going to do will all depend on him. But – I uh, for me, uh, I think if at any of these four clubs, I, I think he would get p- playing time anywhere. I think for me, on a personal level, I think just because of the quality that he brings and just what he can what he can do, what he's able to do, you know, play for the best teams um, in the Premier League, I, I think at an Arsenal or at a Spurs would be wonderful. I, I think when you look at Almirone fitting into a system, be it at Emery's or, or Pochettino's formation, I think... He would definitely be at best, you know, starting for this team, but he could definitely give a run of a competition to a player like Ericsson on Spurs or Lamella um, or, or not getting that type of dependency and then switching to a player like Amarone who obviously brings much more of a, a, a freshness, ideas, and and much more, you know, way of thinking. When you look at Arsenal who currently are – I'm about to lose Aaron Ramsey. I to leave to Germany, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, he would be a definitely – that would probably be the more ideal situation and probably the more realistic situation of him going to. I think he would definitely – whether or not he unseats Mesut Ozil or not, it all depends on what Emery tries to do. But, you know, I I think he would give Arsenal a much more defensive-aware option at at, number, at the number 10 role. Uh, even if he doesn't possess, you know, the level of creativity that Ozil has, um, he could definitely play out wide, and he could definitely add to the options that Arsenal, you know, can get. And they're playing so so well that you know it could provide that kind of depth and, and rotations to players like Alex Awobi or Hendrik Mkhitaryan. So I, I I would love to see him. If gun to my head, you're asking me what club he, I would love to see him play. I,
2: I would have to choose the Gunners for me. Okay, yeah, and that that's fair. I mean, it's it's uh, Spurs fans might not like this, but it's the biggest name, and and having that on your profile is, is I guess better. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. So now you think he might, or you would like him to go to Spurs. Where do you think that he will actually end up going? Um, I mean, I would definitely like to really believe
3: that he is going to Arsenal. I think everything that. Okay the role and everything that's going on over there at Arsenal, you know, the departure of, of Aaron Ramsey. I, I think it's all playing into the hands of Luna Emery to get that kind of player. I think it's obviously the biggest name and the, and the team that can offer the most money out of all the four clubs. Um, maybe besides Tottenham, who obviously haven't spent in this transfer window. Uh, but for me, I, I think the way that he wants to develop himself as a player, the way that he fits into a system that could provide everything at his at his um, upfront to him, I, I think that even though at, at Spurs the fact that he's so versatile and he's willing to put in the defensive shift, um, similar to Deli Ali or Christian Erickson like I said, I, I think Pochettino would love to have a player like him. Um, the price wouldn't be obviously a big risk for a club like Spurs, you know, and the fact that they're trying to find backups is 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 really hard. So that a player like Imarron would probably fit well into that system and, and really provide that kind of energy to the team. but I, I feel as if though if, if you're if you're Amarone, if if I'm him in the situation, I think the money and, and and everything going into his into his um uh, into his way, I think he would definitely would love to get that move to Arsenal um, come January.
1: Yeah and so you've kind of addressed fit and so. I'll stray away from that question and kind of change up the initial question I had. And out of, you've got four pretty good managers to choose from out of those four teams. Which manager do you think would be able to help Al develop into kind of that next level, potential world-class player, potential one of the best players in South America?
3: I mean I think
1: going back like I
3: said I, I, for me I think everything I think the boxes are all ticked for Arsenal because because of the matter of the that he, Emery plays in the same for, has the same formation that Tata is using over there at um at Atlanta 4231 I I think him being you know out wider behind the lead striker be it Aubameyang or, or Lacazette would be something that would be amazing because you look at how those players have the speed you look at uh, uh, Bumyang speed is is one of the best in the world. Uh, uh, Marone obviously brings that to the table. But so I, I think again, I, I think everything goes into the way of Arsenal. Um, you know, for Spurs, perhaps the similarities to Lamella uh, is there. But I, I feel as if the Pochettino is really looking to trust those kind of players like Ericsson, Ali, um, Hung Min Song, Lucas Mora. Uh, to help a player like Harry Kane, I, I just feel as if though maybe Amaron isn't in that kind of system uh, for West Ham. I mean, it all depends, and and that's probably this is for me is probably the um, I think the worst case scenario. I don't- of all the four clothes because I think the preference of Pellegrini playing into a 4 one know, you kind of have to see Almiron play in a wide right position, which I don't think is his best position. I think he's definitely better in the center, but when you have players like Felipe Anderson and Manuel Lanzini who's coming back from injury and then the, 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 the rumors of Samuel Nazari coming in, um, I feel as if, though, that might give Almiron, um less of a chance to join and especially with the injury of a, a player like Yarmolenko, I think the value of having another danger man uh, to come inside the flanks and get involved, you know, would create problems for the opposition. And that would be wonderful for West Ham. And obviously there is the other influence of being of another Paraguayan there, Fabian Balbuena, who is the center back, the starting center back, and you know, one of the only two players to play every single minute alongside uh, Fabianski, the goalkeeper. Um, that's, that's another key factor. I'm sure there is some sort of influence that Balbuena is going to give to Almiron. and then you look at Newcastle because then this is the this is the um, this is the curveball here because this is something that obviously we'll talk about later. But this is a situation of where you know it, does Newcastle have the money? You know the rumors of these new owners would that be enough to convince uh, Miguel Amaron to head over to Newcastle? And 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 it just all depends on the system that Rafa Benitez is going to try to have. You know they're looking into they're in a situation where they need to desperately you know get the key players. Uh, um, you know to rise above the table but uh, I think the situations and everything that's going well and, and and the kind of stability that Almaron would love to have uh heading into the Premier League I think Arsenal fits um and, and ticks all the boxes that that um that come to him
2: awesome yeah so we have a we have a, a pretty special part of our podcast where we have an official questionnaire of the podcast, and his name's Trevor, and he's the man. He asks questions at for every podcast, and he has a question for you. Okay. He actually is a is a diehard Atlanta United fan, so he's pretty privileged situation, and a diehard Newcastle United fan, obviously, mm-hmm. or else he would why would he even be asking us questions? <laughs> um, but he is of the strong belief that we. Newcastle could never afford Almiron. So his question is, since we can't afford an entire Almiron in our budget, do you think we should buy his smile, left foot, or ability to just kick a ball in a straight line, which are all upgrades from our current number 10? (laughs) <laughs> his smile his smile his I, smile I, I, I think his smile would definitely bring
3: um and you know newcastle the, the stereotype of that it's always gloomy and cloudy um that kind of stuff <laughs> i think that smile would just bring a lot of energy to uh the jordy fans and 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 i think that's enough the fact that i remember one time i think atlanta posted a tweet the other like right after the game against nycfc the first leg, like, you had like the the team going into the official photo and you had the all the the players, all the 10 players, you know, frowning, being serious. And then right at the right side, (laughs) Amirond just smiling. And the tweet was like serious, like 10 serious face emojis. And then the big smiling emoji, which obviously represents
2: Amirond. So just because of that, I I think the smile is obviously the most important asset for for Newcastle. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think is the transfer market value on the smile?
3: Ooh, this is tough. I mean, you're looking yeah. at the, this is this is going into the likes of a killing Mbappe smile. Yeah, and,
2: yeah. So I agree. Funny. I agree.
3: Ooh, this is tough.
4: Ah, uh,
3: let's, let's go fifty million. Why not? Wow. That's,
4: okay.
3: That's a. I think
1: that's reasonable. About if, we we'll might not be able smile. to
2: afford that either. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, if we get the smile for free, we can just flip it for fifty mil and then buy out the rest of Almero. Oh yeah. There, there, you there you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Getting in kind of into specifically with Newcastle. So um, I think you've kind of graced the Newcastle Twitter timeline a couple times. I think most recently with your tweet about Almiron's agent admitting that he was at the Bournemouth game. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what else are you hearing about the links to Newcastle? Have you heard about any interest from Almiron's camp uh, about Newcastle or if, if it, that's even on his radar?
3: No, I mean, I, I think from what I'm hearing and obviously hearing from the Almarong camp, I think right now it's all about just focusing on the MLS Cup playoffs, you know, he's, and also, you know, focusing on what he's doing internationally. He's currently on international duty with the Paraguayan national teams. They're going to play South Africa on Tuesday. Um, whether or not the new manager Juan Carlos Osorio wants him to play, given the fact that they have an important series against the Red Bulls um, the following week, it all depends on that. But at, at the moment, and obviously hearing from Paraguayan radio and what the his agent Daniel Campos said, who obviously represents a bunch of players, not just um, Miguel Mirón. who represents Oscar Romero, who currently plays in China, but has also been rumored to go to the Premier League. He's been supposedly going on this tour across England. And then one of the questions were that one of the um, one of the hosts on the on the radio show asked. He's like, uh, "Are you currently in England right now?" He's like, "Yes, we are. We're currently in Newcastle. We went to the game." Um, and he didn't specifically said which game, but I would assume that given the situation that he was in, he was at the Bournemouth game. Um, and then obviously the, the excuse was, oh, we were just on the tour of England and we just happened to be in in, uh, in Newcastle because we wanted to go see Bournemouth. So that was, that was kind of the rumor that probably gave Newcastle United fans, you know, get really excited about. Um, but at the moment, no, I, 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 think, I think right now, and, and obviously he wants to really focus on on completing his season, hopefully as a champion at Atlanta, you know, perhaps as the MVP, um, whether or not it be him or, or, um, or just Martinez, he's, he's clearly up there as, as one of the key favorites. And, and I think at the moment it's, uh, I, I think he wants to finish the job at Atlanta. You know, obviously we already know he's going to leave. That's, that's going, that's without being said, you know, he's going to leave. Tata Martino's is obviously going to leave. It's probably Mexico as the big favorite, maybe Joseph Martinez. But I think at the moment, I think Almiron wants to, you know, finish the season done, have you know, enjoy himself, enjoy the Christmas break, and hopefully have everything done um, that a club would eventually sign him um, and be announced in January. I, I think that's the best case. And I think that's really what he's focused on right now is just to, to finish well for Atlanta, hopefully as a champion and, and, you know, and, and, who knows, maybe the interest of other clubs come uh, last minute. But I think as a player that he, you know, would desperately would love to go to Europe. And and for me, I, I think that whatever club that he goes to, be it West Ham, Arsenal, Spurs, or even Newcastle, I, I think that he would do exceptionally well at any of the four clubs of his choosing.
1: Yeah, yeah. You, you also, just, just quick tangent, you mentioned another uh, South American player, Joseph Martinez, who, honestly, I'm a bit shocked that he's not getting a little bit more interest. I mean, he's almost got 40 goals this season. Uh, I just think it's odd. I just wanted to say that, just put it out in the airwaves, because I think yeah. a lot of people aren't talking about it. Like, his transformation on pretty much changing positions and becoming this poacher kind of striker under Tata Martino's system has mm. just been remarkable. He's, he's done, broken every kind of goal-scoring record there is, and I don't know. It's just wild that we aren't hearing a lot about him.
4: I, I think
3: because he's already proved himself in Europe – Technically, because you know he was uh, already—I think he played in Switzerland and then he went to to Italy. So that kind of interest just, you know, uh, went away in in that sense. But you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if other clubs are are wanting to get him. I I think he would be a a valuable name. You know, he's only 25 years old. He's definitely still in the prime of his career. And and yeah, like I said, it's kind of weird how. a player like him, who was obviously breaking a lot of goal-scoring records at Atlanta and in at MLS, isn't getting the the same kind of interest that Miguel is getting. I, I guess, I, I guess that just shows the difference between both the two players and, and what you know what they both bring to the table.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, when when um, Joseph Martinez was in Italy, he was with Torino, and Andrea Belotti was having career seasons. I mean, scoring at will in Syria and you just can't break that up. And, and Martinez did well when he played. And I think, I think he could start easily in Syria right now, mm-hmm. but he made the move to Atlanta and is successful. So I completely agree from the fact that he has proven himself in Europe and he could, I think he could be successful anywhere. I mean, he's, he's an absolute sniper. Yeah. Definitely. Love it. Definitely. <laughs> One of those really good coaches that,
3: you know, has been a joy to watch. And you know, he can also take a good penalty. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's fun to watch. He just puts it all on the line. Um, but back to Almiron. So there's been a lot of conflicting reports about his value. Some people say he's 10 million pounds. Some people say 15 million pounds. When Darren Eels was asked about the Arsenal rumor, he, he essentially said, I think that, that rumor initially was like 10 million pounds. And he said he'd want to get triple that. How much do you actually think uh, Almiron's going to you know, get sold for in January? I think because of his age. His nationality
3: and what he brings to the table, I think he is much more than ten million. I don't think he's thirty, and I think what Darren Ewell is trying to say is, I think he's just you know over exaggerating and of trying course. to get much more um, media and then uh, more attention and and provide the more value of what he is. But I, I really don't think he's that much. I I, I don't think any club in in um in Europe would be absolutely ridiculous and, and dumb to spend that much money on a player like him. But I, I think for myself, you know, personally, I, I think he's definitely worth, uh, I think the record right now is 13 million for Alfonso Davis who left uh, Vancouver to go to Bayern Munich, you know, and he's only 18. So I, I think for Almaron, you know, he came in with for 8.2 million, you know, provided so much to his team that if I had to put a number right there, I would say it would have to be around 15 to 18 million. I think he's going to smash the record of the transfer he received for an MLS club and I think um, I think he'll be around this last I don't think he'll be anything more than 20 million at the most. Um, so I would definitely put it in that range of 15 to 20 million um, yeah. as the fee that any
2: of the four clubs would hopefully pay for him. Yeah, I'd say 15 to 20 that sounds, that sounds about right. Yeah, and we actually asked this question in a previous podcast because um, our captain at Newcastle, Jamala Sells, has been linked with Chelsea and around 20 mil. And some people, I mean, he you get so attached to your captain, right? So I, I kind of brought it up to attention. We have a big weakness at the 10. And I said, well, would you – and we have a big weakness with money. <laughs> so yeah. I said, would you sell your captain, Jamal Sells, when we – that's easy our best depth is center back. We have a few top players, a few of them, at center back. So sell him for 20 and then get the best player all, that would be on our on our club. Yeah. Is Beko Amaron for the, around that fee. Really? I'm
3: surprised. I'm surprised you would say that.
1: Yeah, I mean well, – I think I think, so. I think also having – we had Fabian share coming from the Swiss national team and he just stepped right into the role and – him alongside uh, Federico Fernandez, they've they've played out of their mind uh, the past couple games. So it just kind of shows if we needed to part ways to the center back for the sake of spending money, it wouldn't be out of the question. Just yeah,
2: yeah. I think just having and actually let me ask this question first, and then I'll get into more tactically with Newcastle United. Um, the first one is just just given the state at Newcastle the money current table position is struggling Well, we're safe now, but given that current state would, does Newcastle even have a chance to sign Almiron? What would be the incentive for him to come here?
3: I mean, I wouldn't well, obviously I think the biggest one would be playing in the premier league. I I think that goes without saying, I I think when you look at a team like Newcastle, I think out of all the four teams that are out there, it's certainly the club where he could be a definitive starter. Um, Immediate impact. Exactly. That's, and maybe at West Ham as well, whereas at Spurs and Arsenal, which are obviously more of a higher uh, status of a club, you know, he, he would meet, perhaps be a rotational player, you know, the, or a substitute, where he would definitely have to work his way up to a starter. And, and in that case, you know, he can't screw up because if he does, not uh, I think that it will just lose his his um, his reputation and his position on the team. So I think with Newcastle, I think certainly, the, like I said, I think it's the curveball. I think w- besides West Ham, it's probably the. The um, the hardest I would say for him to to join because of the position, like you said, you know, the state of the team that it's in. You know, obviously they're what 14th, if I'm not mistaken. So they're obviously yeah. mid-table, You know, perhaps in the sense fighting relegation. Um, I, I don't think Amaron wants to be in that kind of situation where he's just thrown right in into a into a spot that into a team that's fighting relegation. Um, obviously you look at the problems with the ownership. And you obviously mentioned the the whole situation of selling, you know, a, a player uh, to get a player like Amiron is is currently something that I personally would not want him to join Newcastle because I, I feel as if though he provides much more to the table, and you know, as much as you guys would love to have a player like him, and a lot of Newcastle fans would love to have a player like him, I, I just don't see um, that kind of player, or at least if I'm in that sense, I don't think he would be. Um, well-suited to join Newcastle, unfortunately. But, you know, you never know. You never know what could happen. I think the Premier League obviously has a lot of money, and I'm sure Miguel is really psyched to play for any of these four clubs and would be happy at whatever uh, of those four clubs. So never say never is, but I can say.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Rafa – and, and the, I think one of the biggest draws is Rafa. And Amron has said – I mean, Tata is a, is a different level. There's a more of a, a national connection there, but Rafa is world-renowned manager, and he's the only club – Manager to win every trophy that he possibly could have won. Uh, he's won club Champions League, uh, all of it <laughs> um, as a club manager. So just playing under him, and that's w- some of the reason why we've gotten the players that we've been able to get. And he, he's, I guess, his preferred formation is a four-two-three-one. But this year, because of our setup, we're kind of lining up four-four-one-one. One. Where mm. do you see? So, say everything does work out, we have Almiron do you, do you see him working well in that 4-2-3-1 formation? Rafa Benitez likes playing out of the back and, and building up through that number 10 position. Um, so I think it would be very successful for him, but how do you think he would fit? Miguel Amaron would fit into Rafa's style of play.
3: I think he would fit, I think he would fit quite well because you mentioned like I mentioned before, you no know, I think he fits yeah. well into a 4-2-3-1. What he does at Atlanta and obviously what Unai Emery is doing over there at Arsenal, I think that he provides that center um, attacking role that perhaps a player like uh, I believe Iosi Perez, you know, is occupied and and ironically enough, you know, having to feed balls to another Venezuelan in uh, someone Rondon would be something that perhaps yes. and I'm sure Joseph Martinez has talked about him uh, regarding uh, Rondon and, and such a things like that. That I think, yeah, I think he would definitely fit in the system, and I think obviously the influence that Rafa Benitez has is certainly, you know, and like I said, I think. Tata Martino obviously brought that influence to him that he did at Paraguay um, to bring Miguel Moron to Atlanta. That I think with Rafa Benitez, and it could be any of these other managers, you know, yes. who are in the end, and this is no disrespect to any of the four, they are quality managers. I mean, we're not going to say that, Absolutely. that they're mediocre. You know, Rafa Benitez, you know, has won titles. You know, Pellegrini has won titles. Unai Emery has won titles. Uh, obviously, Pochettino hasn't, but he's clearly a, a name that I think a lot of players have enjoyed to play with him. So, yeah, I think it's certainly. Um, I think, like I said, I think it depends on where these kind of situations are are playing into the role of Miguel. That, and again, I think the agent is is going to be, you know, obviously contacting with these clubs and with the player to get the right team that would fit him, that would fit the style of play that he goes into, and and just the whole environment. Uh, I think, like I said, a long curveball. Situation, I think Newcastle would be the club for him, but I still think that um, if everything goes well and the situations that are going on over there at, in North London, that it's gonna probably end up being in. in we're gonna see Miguel own in an Arsenal shirt.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 definitely see it. I can't disagree with that. Um, but if he wants to deliver balls to Rondon, I'm, all, I'm all in. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm all in. I think part of it's. I think the frustration with with being Newcastle fans is that the promise is there. You had Rafa basically take a championship team to 10th place last season. And all you ask for is a little bit of investment and the ability for Rafa to, you know, go out and buy the players he wants in order to make the return, the team, the glory. And it's like, Mike Ashley, please sell the club so that we can do that. So, you know, maybe if, if the club was sold and we're looking at a different situation in Newcastle's currently in like 10th or something, maybe, it looks it's a more favorable destination, but I could understand for the time being why you'd rather go to Arsenal. You'd rather go to Tottenham. Hey, you might even want to go to West Ham. I mean, you're probably going to get relegated, but at least <laughs> you're in London. So, um, but kind of shifting to South American players. Um, and because you do cover, you know, a little bit of South American soccer, um, if I say so myself, I mean, you're whole, <laughs> you've got a whole podcast and, and everything. Um, so Who's your favorite South American player right, to watch right now in, in the top four league and uh, out of the top four leagues? You know,
3: any South American player,
1: any South American player. I mean, I mean there's only one that stands out and Lino Messi.
3: I mean, I mean, that's, that's, that's obviously the, I think that's the first name immediately when you think of favorite South American players. I mean, yeah, I mean, certainly he's, <laughs> he's messy that's, that's all you can say yeah. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah. we can do another podcast of two hours to talk about how great Lionel Messi is but yeah I, I think for me he's one of the best players I think outside of him I think enjoying a player like Neymar who's doing well at PSG um, I, I really love seeing a player like uh, Philippe Coutinho at Barcelona um, you know Roberto Firmino at uh, Liverpool yeah those are just some of the great names that I like James, James Rodriguez at, at Bayern Munich and you know like I said, I, I tend to follow obviously the Paraguayan players a lot, you know. Um, but obviously, if I have to really pick one South American player that I enjoy to watch, I mean, it has to be Lionel you know, Messi. I mean, that that goes without saying. He, I think he's the best player in the world at the moment, and and you know, rightly so. He's been dominating this league uh, and, and and essentially the sport for almost a decade. That it, it's going to be a shame when he, when we see him retire in a couple of years. That we we just need to enjoy. But, you know Messi at his best before you know, it's too late because I don't think we'll ever see the likes of him ever again.
2: And uh, you, say, you say you mentioned you follow Paraguayan players. They've had a wonderful influx of talent recently.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, definitely. Yes.
2: <laughs> you look at, you look at a, a lot of players that, you know, obviously
3: they didn't make the, the World Cup uh, last summer. Um, you know, they were definitely very close. They only lost to uh, Venezuela on the final match day where they only needed to win to get at least to the fifth place playoff spot that was occupied by Peru, but they do have a lot of talent and a lot of talent here in the United States as well. You know, you have to yeah. mention not just Miguel Maron, uh being the big name over here in the United States, the big Paraguayan name, you know, you look at players like uh, uh, Kaku Romero over there at Red Bulls, you know, Christian Paredes, Tito Villalba, another player at Atlanta who just recently became Paraguayan due to his uh, family ties. But, you know, you look at other players as, a, as I mentioned, Balboina playing at West Ham, the, the starter there, you look at Junior Alonso at Celta, uh, Antonio Sanabria over there in Spain playing at Betis, Santander, Bologna, and Serie. A. Yeah, there's a lot of of influence there and a lot of influx that you know is great to see as a Paraguayan. You know, I've always you know I'm obviously American and I, I support both the national teams in my own sense, but you know I always get my ties straight to Paraguay even more and just to see this kind of influx that I haven't seen in quite some time, at least from my time growing up of watching the national team. I think it's great and. I, I would assume that assuming that the Copa America does indeed go well next summer in Brazil that, and of course in the qualifiers, there's just going to be much more talent that is definitely going to be heading its way to, to one of the top leagues in, in Europe, or even in the United States because of that influence that uh, players like Amarone are, are giving.
1: Yeah. And kind of speaking of those, those hidden gyms, um, I guess one signing that kind of shocked the world was Vinicius. I definitely butchered his name, but uh who, <laughs> No, you're find you're him. Right.
4: You're yeah. right.
1: thank you and i and not a lot of people all over europe or in america knew about him He was kind of a hidden gem but i had a friend who's i worked with who's brazilian it was like oh no this guy's the truth and it's like there's certain players that like i think a lot of people in south america know about they're like this guy could be the next they, they could be the next name or could be the next messi who do you think that that kind of if there's any kind of hidden gem still in the south american league that european leagues or even mls hasn't hasn't touched
3: Well, obviously, the big game happening in South America right now is the Copa Libertadores finals. You know, we're going to have two big teams taking each other on in the second leg. Boca Juniors against River Plate in Argentina. Uh, The first leg ended in two two, in a two two draw. And obviously, I'm asking for you guys if you obviously have the time to watch the second leg and to watch. You know, even if you're even if it's the first time you're watching a Libertadores game. He might as well watch the the final game in this sense, yeah, yeah. in between the two rivals. But no, I mean, if you look at the two teams, I think a player like Wilmar Barrios, you know, stands out. He's only twenty five years old, but he really provides that that that, that kind of engine in the defensive midfielder, kind of similar to a to a Conte at Chelsea or a or a Casemiro at Real Madrid. You know, he's very good defensively, good on tackles. Really has a good. You know, soccer brain in that sense. Uh, he's a player that I would uh, enjoy watching, and obviously, perhaps maybe not a hidden gel because there's a lot of players that know of him, a lot of people that already know of him, especially given the fact that he's already a on the Colombian national team. That's a name I would pick out. Um, you know, obviously, the name to replace Miguel Maron is uh, obviously the River Plate player Gonzalo Martinez. You know, kind of a similar player, perhaps doesn't have the pace of um, of Miguel Marron, but obviously, you know, provides that kind of. You know, intelligent playing the ball, blistering pace. Um, that's a player I enjoy really watching. Um, so far in South America, Ezekiel Palacios, uh, the twenty-year-old uh, center midfielder winger, whatever you want to call it, he's definitely the one I enjoy watching. Uh, you know, rumors have been speculating that he'll probably end up going to Real Madrid uh, either in the winter or in the summer, and so he's definitely a name to, to keep an out for. And yeah, like I said, it's always there's always names coming up around anywhere in the world. It could be, you know, you look at Vinicius, but even players like Rattaro Martinez, who's over there at Inter Milan, came from Rossing Gabriel Jesus, who came from Palmeiras to go to Manchester City. There's always names coming up. And, and like I said, and I've always, I've been blessed to have seen some of these players before they make it up to the big stage. Miguel Maron, obviously the big name we're talking about here. But um, yeah, I mean, for anyone that's listening, I, and obviously I know there's a huge time difference for many people, perhaps in England or, or maybe in the United States, that's much much more better considering the time difference there. Um, I, I would definitely recommend watching the Copa Libertadores. I think that tournament just has just an immense amount of talent. That and, and in the current situation of how soccer is right now, with getting your best players, you know, immediately before we even get the best of them um, right there. You know, it, I think it's best to to do it and, and watch a game. and Because I don't think, yes, YouTube clips and, and the way that people are, are analyzing and saying, oh, this player is good because he does this and that, uh, and basing it off a YouTube video, I don't think that does uh, doesn't any more justice anymore. Uh, for me, at least, I think it's always best to look at the real thing and look at the real product and, and really look with your own eyes in, a, in an actual game. I don't think highlight clips, while they're all, they are good, I just don't think that they are the same influence of what you see in an actual 90-minute game
2: yeah Yeah. no i uh i it's I, I think it's funny because the match like there was so much controversy just like should it be rescheduled the weather mm-hmm. well, well i guess the weather was the end result but there was so much political uh aspects of that match that was going on and then it, it made it only fitting that mother nature was actually the one that decided <laughs> uh, when, when the match should be played but definitely can't wait for the final uh that's gonna be a lot of fun
4: definitely
2: yeah now um so Neymar uh well Messi is still the biggest name but Neymar seems to be in that in that right behind him in the back seat to take the place of Messi eventually as being the face of South American football is there a next face
3: is there a next face I mean
2: it's tough I think
3: you know the one name that you know comes to the top of my head I think has to be the man who turned his um. He turned 25 today, Paulo Dybala of Juventus. I think. Ah, yes. I think. His talent is someone that you know is obviously going to be the the key face of this Argentina national team and has already become an important player for this Juventus side ever since joining uh, from Palermo. I think uh, he's he's a joy to watch. I think he's he's really you know and he works not just as a number ten, kind of similar to what maybe Almirón brings. Or perhaps they are uh, different players, but uh, I think. And there's so many other players that are coming up that you can't really choose one. I mean, you know, many people didn't even expect Neymar to be the big name. Um, come, I don't know, like six, seven years ago, you know, there's always players coming up. Uh, Mauro Icardi over there at Inter. Uh, you know, I mentioned Gabriel Jesus. You know, you look at other players, perhaps like, um, oh, my God, the name escapes me uh, real quick. Um Uh, Lucas Torreira over there at Uruguay, Maxi Gomez. You know, there's just so many different players out there. But if I had to choose one, I think Dybala is in the current situation. Um, And at least from a market value standpoint, I think he's the one that is going to be the next big face of South
2: American soccer. Yeah, love it. So we, we like to end our podcast asking one question. And for you particularly, you don't have to pick a Newcastle match unless there is one. But uh, knowing that you're not a die-hard Newcastle United supporter, uh, we can open this up just to the sport in general. But um, one thing we like to ask: if you could attend any, you could attend any match in history, current or or past, uh, you have to attend in person. Which match would it be? Ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah.
4: Um, I
3: think because of the importance and just because of how important that game was, and, and really seeing the best team in the world as as one of the best um out there in history i i think i have to choose the 2011 champions league final between barcelona and manchester united the 3-1 yes. where you basically saw pep guardiola at, and his tiki taka style of of that team at its peak i mean i mean messi was obviously you know right there and i think that one of those that, those games that game in particular perhaps secured him as one of the greatest of all time. You know, you look at that game and, and just watching it again, I was like, wow, that was the absolute peak of, of, of a soccer game. And I would love to have gone to that game at Wembley stadium. I think that game just, you know, it's just so important that, you know, it, it, it really is something to, to really talk about and, and kind of
2: analyze for the next few years. Yeah, no, that would be a lot of fun to go there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my personal one is, well, I, I don't know. I'm, I guess I won't say what mine is, but Newcastle beating Barcelona wouldn't suck to see live. Uh, that, that, that was fun that happened in the Champions League uh, back in the day, but just shows what Newcastle could be since that's happened. But uh, we're a long way from that now. But maybe, hopefully, Almiron is the man to, to help bring us back there. So we'll, we'll have to see about that. There's been a lot of rumors of Newcastle being sold. It's been going on for a few years. Uh, we can only dream. But <laughs> the, for the the short shortest dream is getting Miguel Amaron to be our number ten. I don't think anybody in the northeast of England or on this podcast would hate that. <laughs> so, but um, we really appreciate you coming on, Roberto. It's been an absolute pl- pleasure. Uh, give him a follow, everybody, because. It's gonna be important in January. And his Twitter account is at Roberto Rojas97. And then also give their podcast a listen, Low Limit Football. And you can follow them on Twitter at Low Limit and F U T B O L is football. Mm-hmm. So give them a follow too. Great stuff on there. A lot of info. And who doesn't love a good soccer football podcast? Who doesn't? <laughs> right
3: <laughs> no definitely that's why i've been doing it for the last four years and i'm surprised we've gone as far as we've done
1: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> we're like four
2: months in. yeah so yeah yeah <laughs> you guys are doing great already and thank you
3: so much for having me
2: no absolute pleasure and it was great and maybe uh hopefully we sign them and we'll have you on to talk about next steps
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> thank you roberto it was a pleasure thank you so much
0: 1862, on a summer's afternoon, I took the bus to Banderis, and she was heavy laden. The way we went along Collinwood Street, that's on
4: the road to bleeding. Oh, no.
0: We flew past Armsford factory and up to the job in the deer Just can not do to the railway bridge, the bus will flew off there The lasses lost the crinolines and the bales that hide their faces. I got two black eyes in the broken nose and ganned the blade and raises. Oh. But on the way we went again But them that had their noses broke They came back our yen Some went to the dispensary And some to Dr. Gibbs's And some to the infirmary To mend their broken ribs's There was four and twenty on the bus man who they danced and sung. They called on me to sing a song and I sang a polythagin'. I danced a jig and swung me twig the day I went to a blade and tune the bellman he was carrying there they carried him Jackie broom i saw him talking to some chips and then he was persuaded. the guns he jolly sure the mechanics how at blade and... Coffee Johnny had a white hat on, they yelled, We stole the coody. There were spice dolls and monkey shoes, and ad wiped salad ciders. We had checked for half-needs, the butchers, and
4: no more well, for riders. <laughs>